Welcome to Madam's Hoes and Gigolos, a podcast about the history of sex work and historical events surrounding sexual revolutions. I'm your host, Heather, and with me are my friends, Connor and Anthony. Together, we've created a bi-weekly podcast discussing all topics about a timeless taboo, the history of sex, sex work, sexual revolutions, and sometimes scandals. What have you guys been up to since the last time we were here? When was the last time? It was... Just like a couple days ago. Just a couple days ago. Has, <laughs> has anything changed? No. Or is I've, it just like wash, rinse, repeat? I've just been sitting here waiting for you to come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do live here in the studio. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch the Lorena Bobbitt docuseries because yeah. you've inspired me. Did you watch me. the cut version? or? <laughs> oh, well, she had the cut version and apparently John Wayne Bobbitt has an uncut version, which is technically a porn. Well, I guess you could call it the uncut version, but he's definitely the cut version right right yeah, I mean, what, what, he, what a sad story for him though i mean it's reattached but it doesn't work 100 percent. the most unlucky penis it, in the world right i i really feel like this needs to be a topic of discussion with how the whole trial played out her story his story it's it's interesting i'd yeah. love to get into that let's do it okay that's what he okay. said but next time <laughs> Another, another time in the future. This is about Cosby again. Oh, oh yes, Cosby. So where did we leave off? Andrea Constan had filed charges against Cosby in 2005, and Bruce Castor, during the investigation, said he was not going to pursue criminal charges, that this was a civil matter. That was the DA who was supposed to be prosecuting for the for, county? Or for yes. The, for, yeah. For Montgomery County. Also, the information about Constad was leaked to the press, even though she, her identity shouldn't be revealed because she was a victim of sexual assault. They went civilly. Nothing really happened. Cosby was being rewarded while the victims were being shamed. Then in 2014, Hannibal Burris does an act and it just catapults everything to what this episode will be about. It virtually goes, I mean, it literally goes viral. So yes. at that moment, so it, it was around for what, nine years, it happened nine years prior and it doesn't really get its due attention until Hannibal Burris makes a joke on stage. Right. Right. And, and Hannibal's comedy, like he, it's not like he outed Cosby and said anything that we didn't already know that wasn't public, but he just kind of said it like it's fact. Well, you know, what's funny about that is that I didn't know. So oh. a lot of people didn't know because it wasn't like we talked about in the last episode, it wasn't covered. Very, right. Like it wasn't put out there. His his reputation was very much so protected by the media. Oh, but he didn't like explain the whole story. He just said, yeah, but Bill Cosby rapes women. So there's that. Right. And, and, and so you're just like, what? The, hearing that, I was like, into it? exactly. I was like, what? Jello you, pudding pops himself? Rapes you know, women? I can never look at that gif where Bill Cosby is eating a pudding pop and waving his hands because now it's like it doesn't even look like a pudding pop to me anymore. It looks like a foot. Do you know that gif where <laughs> yes, he's eating the, and he's just waving with his fingers? Again, and we don't shame fetishes here. If you have a, a jello pudding pop foot fetish, you're okay in my book. You're, you're still okay in my book, but <laughs> Cosby and his history with that is just... It, I well, can't see that gif as any other way. <laughs> I think generally speaking, you I think we all do actually have a, a different perception of Bill Cosby. Oh, he was such a family guy, not just from the Cosby show. Right. But like I grew up watching picture pages and seeing him in commercials and there was this show, remember kids say the darndest things. Oh, yeah. He's up there with the kids and oh, doing yeah. this whole thing. Like everyone loved him. Right. Kids loved him, parents loved him. Are you able to separate Heathcliff Huxtable? From Bill Cosby. That was his name, Heathcliff. I never saw the Cosby Show. Yeah, you. But ouch, <laughs> that hey. was a part of my childhood, oh. not really. But well, I, um, I never saw Roseanne either, so it definitely wasn't wow, a race thing. You just, just did not like. I, I didn't know it wasn't accusing. You okay, well, <laughs> well, you were like ouch, like you took it personally. <laughs> did I didn't watch the Cosby Show. Well, no, I, I think that was like an attack on my on my taste, actually. Oh, or mine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, let's say one of your favorite TV stars, Connor, stopped or, or later in his career gets arrested for sexual assault. Can you separate the character from the person? Yeah, well, okay. So one of my favorite comedians is Louis C.K., who did have like a Me Too claim against him. Mm -hmm. 
and it stinks. Like it wasn't as bad in my opinion as like raping people. He would just sure. tell women that would come to his office, you know, that were uh, up and coming comedians. And he would ask them like, Hey, mind if I jerk off in front of you? And they'd be like, uh, <laughs> you don't think weird. that's as bad? <laughs> what? No, I mean, it, it's, it's, is drugging someone and raping them. I'm not saying it's yeah. good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's, there's definitely <laughs> different levels of impropriety, right? I mean, look at Al Franken has lost his career over a photograph that was taken years ago where there was actually no contact made when he was a comedian, when he was a comedian. And so, he, yeah, I mean, he could have been he, a presidential he, candidate and he lost that for a picture. Now, is that the same as Spanish flying somebody and assaulting them? No. Not even not even the same ballpark. No, right? but so, so yeah, so here's the thing with, with Louis C.K. He actually acknowledged it and he came out and he said, you know what? I didn't realize that what I was doing was wrong because I always asked permission first. They always said yes, and then I could do my thing. But I, I never considered the fact that there was that power dynamic, that they were coming to me and seeing me as a mentor, and I took advantage of that relationship. And he owned it, and he apologized, and he kind of went underground for a little bit, and then came back. But for a while, I was like, no, Louie, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, kind of unfamiliar with this, with this story. Like, he would go up and ask female comedians and say, like, just flat out be like, hey, this is my thing. I like yeah. to jerk off in front of you. Yeah, when they'd you come down? see him in his office, he would ask if he could do it, and they'd be like, that's kind of weird, but yeah, you do you. I kind of think, because I've, I've actually been thinking about this question you just asked a lot, and I was thinking, like, I feel like there's a whole process. Like, if, if somebody that I like was to have these allegations, like, if doofy Luke Bryan had these allegations, because he's right. a doofus, but I love him, I think my heart would break, because now I have to go through this grieving process, because in my mind, I've created him to be this fantastic fantasy person sure and then to have that all crushing down that he is just a sick psycho fuck you know that's a process and i feel like that was a lot of things that was happening with the cosby thing this whole character of who he is and who he portrayed as this great father and this person for the great for the community sure. and now it's okay the mask is off yeah and now people have to process that like wait like that was my dad when mm -hmm. i was not in a healthy child, didn't have a healthy right. childhood. And, you know, it's like we create these fantasies of these celebrities to play these roles in our lives. Luke Bryan being my boyfriend. Right. Bill Huxtable being. I like how you still call him by his first and last name, even though he's your boyfriend. <laughs> you know, just go by Luke. Yes. Like I wouldn't know who you were talking about if you said me and Luke. Okay. So, yeah. So we're, we're, t we're talking about like if our favorite comedians did something. And we're talking about the grieving process. Yeah. Of like feeling betrayed. Yeah, it's easy to feel betrayed when uh, when your favorite entertainers does something, and depending on how severe it is. Well, depending how how impactful they are, like Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, um, people like that really had were like legends. These are the of people that time. made it to the top tier of what they were doing. R. Kelly. I'm okay with not listening to his music. It doesn't really pain me. Yeah. Michael Jackson, it sucks when I'm like, when I listen to a song and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is part two of our two-part expose on Bill Cosby. And, you know, just like before, let's, let's put out a, a quick disclaimer that we're simply covering the facts that we believe to be the most reliable from conducting our own research. If there's any other details that we didn't cover, or if there's any inconsistencies with the actual case, we do deeply apologize and feel free to leave them in the comments and let us know about it. All right. I just also like to add trigger warnings for sexual assault, violence, same as last time. Yep. Drugs, rape. Yes. Victim shaming and blaming. Victim bl and Bill Cosby. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that was a, a jab at me for being a Bill Cosby fan growing up. <laughs> No, I'm and just warning, protecting people who have been let down. Um, I'm one of those people. Yeah. I will say that. You're not alone in that. Oh, nice Michael it's Jackson. It's a Michael callback. Jackson reference. <laughs> <laughs> just to rub that one in your face, too. Ouch. Hope you weren't a fan Ouch. of him. Ouch. My favorite black heroes. So Janet Dickinson came forward giving an interview to Entertainment Tonight. She discussed how Cosby had raped her in 1982 and how she wrote about it in her 2002 memoir, No Lifeguard on Duty. And in 2006, mentioned while she was on The Howard Stern Show that her publisher, HarperCollins, had her remove the incident completely. Okay, so 
the uh, initial case of uh, Andrea Constant that came out in like 2005-ish, and everyone's like, well, why'd you wait a year? This woman, Janice Dickinson, came out 20 years later with it, and they didn't even run, leave that in her book? Right. They didn't even keep it in her book. And this was three years before Constand came forward. Yeah. Well, it, she it was adds a little to bit more uh, credibility to Constand's story. Right. And Janice Dickinson was a celebrity. She really didn't have anything to gain from Cosby. Was she a celebrity? Yeah, she was a supermodel. Oh, cool. You, you don't know who she is? I do not. Oh, yeah, she's a supermodel. Nice. Yeah. So Netflix pulled Cosby's comedy special. NBC scrapped the sitcom it was developing. TV Land stopped airing old reruns of The Cosby Show. Even Bruce Castor was singing a slightly different tune. I do think he did it. Cosby was very evasive during questioning, and I thought the victims was credible, but she waited a year. Let's just keep in mind, Castor was running for re-election the next year. Wow. A year doesn't even seem like that long to get pull yourself together. No. No, it doesn't. And him now changing the tune when he has an election coming definitely seems fishy. I see what you're saying. Yeah. People were talking and Hollywood was talking. D.L. Hughley and Cosby weren't fond of each other. Hughley swore in his routine and would either say the N-word, which was something Cosby hated, and one day Cosby had called into a radio show where D.L. Hughley was hosting for a promo. Hughley, knowing there was animosity between the two, let the others do the interview. However, Hughley says Cosby was just being a dick to his colleagues. So he stepped in and said, Mr. Cosby, what would you like us to know? And Cosby said, who is this? And Hughley identified himself. Cosby immediately called him out for using the N-word, to which Hughley replied, With all due respect, Mr. Cosby, I say the N-word, but no co-ed has ever woke up and said I drugged her with her drawers on backwards. And of all the words said about me, no one has ever used the word rape. Cosby was irate and told Hughley that the tape would never air Hughley says that 10 minutes later, the top honchos came in and took the tape and it was never played again and nobody would ever speak of this again or work in radio and the tape disappeared. See, there's like a, a power issue there too. We talked about this in the last episode, but you know, he can make shit go away. So there is no consequences for him. Right. Other right? people have come forward. I right. mean, even Lisa Bonet has come forward. Wendy Williams have come forward with how Cosby had threatened and bullied their careers. Yeah. And he was protected by the, the media, by authorities, by everyone. But it's a powerful guy. Yeah. He's one of those guys that when he says you'll never work in this town again, he might actually have some pull. But we've come into this uh, this this social media world where a lot of people think it's been you know the internet has has destroyed society. But in a way, I think it, it it's brought in a lot of people to justice, right? The power okay. to the people, right? What if the media gave this attention back in two thousand five the way they did in two thousand fourteen? The press was supposed to be the watchdog for the public, but instead essentially protected Cosby. Maybe the public outcry would forced Castor to look deeper into the case, actually interviewing the women instead of closing the investigation while it was gaining its traction. By July 2015, more women were coming forward. The Associated Press filed a motion to have some of the parts of the Cosby deposition unsealed. Cosby's attorney tried to stop the motion, arguing that Bill Cosby was not a public figure. But the judge disagreed and had mentioned the Cosby 2004 pound cake speech and other public engagements where he chastised communities and stood on this proverbial soapbox. So the unsealed portions of the depositions were explosive. In these depositions, Cosby admitted he obtained quaaludes to give to women with the intent to have sex with them. But then his attorney interrupted him and he changed his story to, it was just one woman. Why would he admit to any of that? It's Cosby. Like, and, I'm glad he did because it you know, lets the, us know that he's doing that stuff. But why not? If you're a criminal, don't you just deny it? But this woman he said he did it with was in a relationship with him. And she had said she consented to sex. She never consented to drugs. And so somehow it made it different. So it now 
we asked the question, was he into just drugging women and that's how he was having sex? Because this woman agreed to have sex with him. But that is, it seems like it's his, his thing. He likes having sex with drugged women. Right. That was, that's the point that people are trying to make. Right. Like, okay, this woman was consenting, but he still drugged her. Yeah. She didn't consent to the drugs, but she did consent to sex. It's not just the sex. It's the, the power control of, you know, having an incapacitated woman. That's such a weird. It, yeah. You know, I heard like, about if this anything, recently. I want my women to be active. <laughs> so, so, uh, are you guys familiar with uh, your own backyard podcast? Yes. Yeah. So I've listened to the whole thing. That's one of the greatest podcasts. Me, me too. Out there, uh, he talks about the disappearance of Kristen Smart up in uh, San Luis Obispo. This whole time, for the last twenty-five years, there's only ever been one suspect who's just denied it and not been very cooperative. But uh, the stories have come out since the podcast and since the investigation that he probably has drugged many women to have sex with him, even women who have consented to having sex with him. So that's just, right. the point is that, uh, yeah, I think some people just get off on that. Right. I, I kind of feel like this could be a Cosby thing. He also said in the deposition, he had a prescription from Dr. Amar and had obtained these prescriptions in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So wait, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because he said in his... Um, his initial deposition that he got quaaludes to give to one woman. So why would he have to keep getting Get four decades of prescriptions? <laughs> four decades <laughs> of so quaaludes. Well, you were so smart. The, obviously, uh, the doctor didn't give it to him to give to women. The doctor thinks he's giving it to him to deal with his own. Does he? He's, 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 he's Bill Cosby's this doctor. Was his, this is his good friend, too. Don't forget business partner. And business partner. Right. You don't think he he knows that he's that Bill Cosby's not taking quaaludes? Does Bill Cosby seem like a quaalude <laughs> popping I mean, sort of guy about <laughs> town? Pudding popping, yeah. <laughs> quaalude popping, pudding popping. What do um, what do quaaludes do? I don't know. To to me, I know, I know. I'm I'm assuming what they do to Bill Cosby's victims. But, um, well, you're going to have to go to Mexico or Canada to figure it, out because they're, they've been banned here since 1984. I was going to say, that's like an old, old yeah. drug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like people a, don't do lewds anymore. It looks like it was, uh, used to fight malaria and wasn't patented until 1962. It was used in the fifties. Um, it's a central nervous system depressant that acts as a sedative and hypnotic. It induces sleep. Interesting. So he did admit to offering Andrea the money for the education in the deposition as well. So once the contents were published, the celebrities that supported him had changed their stance, speaking out publicly. Gloria Aldred filed a suit to have the entire deposition unsealed, and on July 19, 2015, the full deposition was unsealed, and the world learned what sort of monster Cosby was in his own words. This is 10 years later, by the way. Yes. I mean, he he had been allegedly raping for at least thirty years because we we can go back down to at least yeah. nineteen seventy. Yeah, thirty thirty five years, and finally now people are starting to turn on him. And these were his own words under oath. Of course, Cosby's attorneys try to do damage control, saying just because the number of women saying these things doesn't mean it's true. Still trying to defame his victims, though his own testimony is circulating. So 2015 was an election year. Castor was running to get his job back, and Kevin Steele, a 48-year-old who was the current district attorney, Risa Vetri Fearman's first assistant, decided he wasn't going to let Castor off the hook from his Cosby debacle and ran against him. The men fought dirty, and the Cosby case being the topic of attacks. Steele boasted 98% conviction rate and a tough sentence for sexual predators. He referred to Castor as the former DA who refused to prosecute Bill Cosby, using his own words against him. We don't charge people for making a mistake or doing something foolish. Wow, weird mm. to use your conviction rate against him when Castor chose not to prosecute something because he didn't think that he would win. Like his conviction rate's probably still pretty high. Right. That was your takeaway? <laughs> well, yeah, and Cosby's oh. an asshole. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't charge people for making a mistake or doing something foolish because drugging women is a mistake and it's foolish. It's not predatory. <laughs> yeah, you, you drew a good parallel when you were talking about Brock Turner. 
Yeah. And they painted him as a good guy that made a mistake. Right. Rather than a rapist who also does some good. Right. He was he Brock Turner was a great swimmer. Good for this him. This is going to ruin his chances at whatever he was he was at a yeah. swim meet. Right. <laughs> right. Castor defended himself by saying these women came forward after I left the DA office, which was a lie. Thirteen stepped forward at the time. He even tried to place blame on Steele, saying that he sat on his hands and had power to protect Cosby's victims, which was also a lie. He was an assistant to the DA and didn't have power, but his boss did, and she had tried. Castor had also made some comments about Constad in the newspaper and on social media. Her attorneys were quick to act and a week before the election filed a defamation lawsuit against Castor stating that Andrea was collateral damage in his political ambitions. I'm eager to know if Castor won his re-election or not. We're going to find out. Let's get to it. So as the election boiled, a victim stepped forward, suing Cosby for defamation. Knowing the statues of limitations were up for all victims and certainly near for Constand, Lawyers took the opportunity to restore the name of the victims as they were exposed to public contempt, ridicule, and aversions or disgrace. Steele defeated Castor, beating him by 17,000 votes. Nice. And more women started filing defamation cases. Cosby filed his own against model Beverly Johnson. And this is an example of what abusers do to intimidate their victims as an attempt to weaken them. Beverly never said she was raped by Cosby. She only said that she was drugged by Cosby, but was able to make it out of the house before any assault occurred. Janice Dickinson, however, sued Cosby, and he didn't countersue, likely due to the celebrity status. He didn't want the media spotlight focused on him. I think it was going to happen either way. Right. Right. These are both models, but one, he's suing the one for the lesser who's accusing him of lesser things than the one who's already in the spotlight talking Meanwhile, with Steele now the DA, there was no word of him refiling charges against Cosby and Constance's statutes of limitations were about to expire. December 30th, 2015, Cosby was arrested. Wow, it took a long time. That's like, like 40 years. years after you know he started doing this and 10 years after the first people started coming forward. But... And a new person had to, to try this case. Yeah. The affidavit alleged that Cosby had been rejected by Constan twice. And in his deposition in 2005, he played the role of the suave cavalier playboy. With his narcissism, he believed that he was able to interpret nonverbal cues from women and Constan wanted him. However, what Cosby didn't know was Constan was gay. And at the time of the assault, she was in a relationship with a woman. And he thinks he's so good at interpreting nonverbal cues. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also Bill Cosby. Maybe he thinks that he can... I think he didn't know. You don't think he knew? No. Do you think he cared? I don't think he cared. I don't think he cared about anybody, but other than Cosby getting his fix. Word. He knew his advances were blocked twice, so this time Cosby opted to drug her instead. And when asked by Gianna what he had given Constan, he said some sort of prescription. However, he told Constant that it was a herbal relaxer, and he told the police he thought it was Benadryl. The affidavit said that this was a deliberate effort to conceal what type of drug he gave Constant. What was an effort to conceal? Lying to everybody? Yeah. Lying to everybody about what he had given her. Oh, it's herbal. But, um, oh, it's a prescription. Oh, it was just Benadryl. Because it, telling the cops he gave her a prescription would make it illegal. Andrea was a healthy person. So he told her it was a, a natural remedy. So, you know, like Connor said, that's just a straight lie. Calling it a concealment of facts is, yeah, yeah. is a really nice way of saying bold-faced lie. His offer to pay for constant schooling and a trip to Florida was an attempt to make amends. Why would a man being falsely accused of rape offer to pay for Constance's education or even pay to fly her out to see him again, when Cosby asked if he had sexual intercourse, he replied, never asleep or awake, thinking this was a reasonable answer. That's a really weird answer. Yeah, what is that? Never asleep, never awake. Did you have sex with Andrea Constand? Never asleep, never awake. What the fuck does that mean? Right. I guess you could have just said, 
Never have I ever. <laughs> I mean, he would definitely have to put a finger down. I mean, he had he had said he never had sex with her to her mother on the phone. Just there was digital penetration. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's just it's like Bill Clinton saying I didn't have sexual relations with that woman. Oh, that's another topic I'd like to get to. Are we doing uh, wait, Bill Clinton? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna cover Bill Clinton. That's another one I want to do. Monica. Okay. I'm in. So when Cosby was arraigned, he showed up to the courthouse with a cane, though he didn't use it. It enhanced this perception that he was elderly and a feeble old man, though seven months prior, he wasn't using it when he visited schools and toured. Do you guys know who also used this tactic? Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Jackson. Did he? I think he showed up in court looking all like, you know, out of it and weak. Didn't he show up in his pajamas once? Yeah. Okay. And they use the term gingerly. What's wrong with gingers? <laughs> I was. Uh, don't fall I was into that trap. Go, by the way. Yeah, it, it, right? it's a trap. She's trapping you. <laughs> it is a trap. Oh, I didn't take the bait. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You survived. I was going to go with Harvey Weinstein because he did the same thing. That's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. Every time they, they show up in court, they're like, "Oh, me, I'm a little old man." Yeah. Cosby, at this point, has a rare form of glaucoma, and his vision in one eye is compromised, but now his eyes appear to be clouded and distant. Cosby was arraigned, bail was set, $1 million. He was forced to hand over his passports, and he was processed, fingerprinted, and out on bail, putting down the cash for $100K. I do remember that. Like he, he, there's a lot to that. He looked fucked up. He like did. he looked like a, a like he was gonna. He was on his deathbed. And then did you see like, <laughs> like the the recent him like coming out of court and shit. Like he's no, got so a pep to his step. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his like eyes he are not glossed over. He didn't have his walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's like doing game. like funny Cosby faces and shit. The day that any one of us has to go to court to be arraigned or sentenced, I'm sure we wouldn't sleep for days before that. We, you know, we wouldn't be looking very good either. Yeah, probably not. And you're trying to get sympathy points. I'm an old man. Sure, I can't do any harm. Sure, but do you think like? When it goes your way, you should come out doing cartwheels and shit. <laughs> like, right. like, play it up for a little longer. Yeah, you know? right. I'm with you. Doing that fat out, fat out right Because <laughs> he was. He was doing that. Not right. in court. No, he was doing it when he got out. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Feels. Uh, yeah, he's feeling good. It feels like he's, he's feeling not really good. Respecting the severity of like. Uh, um. He the feels first vindicated. time, yeah, the first time a week after he was he was off, he wasn't getting criminal charges. He was making jokes in a New, Jer New Jersey club saying, "Don't have drinks around me." Oh, Jesus God. Christ! Remember, so this is the mindset Jesus of Cosby. That's but again, that's that's kind of the um, that's like the repeating thing that happens with these kind of guys, like OJ coming out with a book, like if I had done it, like it's yeah. like, dude. Stay away from anything. You just got away with murder, right? right? Which random fact that OJ book was also the same publisher that told Janice Dickinson not to put the rape in her book. Wow. Full circle. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, although, remember with Pee Wee Herman, when uh, when he had his whole thing, uh -huh. he got caught jerking off in a I remember. movie theater. What are you supposed to do in a porno movie theater? He was a celebrity, so somebody outed him. And, yeah, uh, I know. I mean, I've never been to a porno movie theater, but <laughs> I, like, I don't know what the purpose is other than jacking off, right? <laughs> do they even have those anymore? <laughs> they used to have one in like in like North Hollywood or Van Nuys. It was like called like the Pussycat Theater. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like North Hollywood would have one of the those. The whole idea of going to a group setting to watch something so intimate right. is strange to me. Well, once they got rid of that, the, <laughs> the sale of trench coats went down dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I bring him up is because he started touring again, doing a stand-up comedy, and his opener was, heard any good jokes lately? Oh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. So he, he didn't I mean, he owned it, it and he wasn't hurting anybody, so... Yeah, he uh, went to a theater that no. plays pornography... Again, what do we and, expect? Yeah, well, he later turned himself in for having child pornography. And so oh. for a guy who was a Damn it. role model for kids, you know, that ain't cool. <sighs> you know, Connor. He did, right? I you, don't know. 
I don't think. Why are you destroying my childhood? (laughs) Moment by moment, just Cosby, Pee Wee. I don't know. We'd have to fact check that one. Cosby's attorneys quickly filed charges to get the motions dismissed. First, attempting to say the charges brought on to Cosby were illegal, improper, and unethical. And if they couldn't get the case dismissed, they certainly didn't want Steele handling it. So they tried to get him disqualified from handling the case. It is here where things in 2015 set Cosby free in 2021. Okay, I was going to say these sound like little technicalities of trying to find men. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, could you imagine trying to argue that this case is illegal and unethical and Im- improper? Yeah. Castor claimed in his press release he gave stating that he wasn't going to charge Cosby back in 2005 was actually in an immunity agreement. And Steele argued in the courtroom that it was only enforceable if a judge has signed it, which a judge had not. The judge, Stephen O'Neill, seemed to agree and even asked Castor why he didn't follow the immunity statute. By making the agreement in writing for the plaintiff's attorneys, Castor said he was invoking his power as sovereign. But what does sovereign even mean? Sovereignty is a political concept that refers to dominant power or supreme authority. The sovereign is the one who exercises power without limitation. Sovereignty is essentially the power to make laws. So can you dumb that down for me? No, no, of course (laughs) not. (laughs) In context with what Castor was invoking, he's pretty much saying that he has supreme authority over this entire decision, correct? Yeah. But uh, he, does he have the right to do that? Like, I can, he didn't. You just say those words, like I'm invoking the power of sovereign. He didn't do it the the way he was supposed to do it, and so now he's saying, "Well, I'm in, invoking this this power," is is to how I understand it. Again, is that even a thing, Connor? Is that a thing? I don't know. I'm I'm trying to make sense of this whole thing. I know that like we talk about other countries being like you can't do that to a sovereign nation because they can make their own rules, and so therefore we have no jurisdiction to enforce our rules and their property but in this case it sounds like this guy is like i'm the one making the rules why is he so why is he protecting cosby so Uh originally castor decided that he wasn't going to bring the case to court because in his words he didn't have enough evidence Uh, what he's actually claiming now is that hey it wasn't just i'm not bringing this to court now but that was actually kind of an immunity agreement for cosby which who knows why he would even do that as a da right Mm-hmm. And uh, as a DA who prosecuted sexual assault, right? So why, why would you have Cosby an immunity agreement instead of just not bringing it to trial? Whatever. Steele saying you can't do that. This isn't even valid because no judge actually signed that. And uh, what authority do you have to give him an immunity? And it was Castro that says, no, no, no. That's my decision. I'm sovereign, and I'm giving Cosby immunity. It he, seems like that. He's the defendant. Seems like that. I don't know. I don't know. This is why I'm not a lawyer. Okay. So Andrea's attorney even disputed the agreement, saying they were only notified by the agreement because the media showed up at their office, that there was no legal recourse taken to notify him of this. It was at this time they revealed the circumstances surrounding the lawsuit, that Cosby had stormed out of the room and only returned if a judge intervened, that there was a lot of screaming and yelling to divert attention from him. Andrea's attorney even went on to describe the circumstances of the settlement. Andrea and Cosby had agreed to settle for an undisclosed amount of money, but Cosby's people wanted Andrea's attorneys to destroy the files of the cases, and Andrea would need to agree to never cooperate with law enforcement if a case like this was reopened. And if any other future investigations popped up and they wanted Andrea to talk, she needed to remain silent. Her attorney refused, and the judge agreed with them, denying any motions to dismiss. I don't like that it sounds like so much of our legal system was working in Cosby's favor, even at the time, and since working to kind of get him off. Feels get low. him off. <laughs> get him out. Cosby's victims, who were unable to pursue legal action because of the statutes of limitations expired, sought justice other ways, and they wanted the statutes of limitations extended. 
According to Rain, the Rape Abuse Incest National Network, 60% of rape and sexual assaults are not reported to police, according to the statistical average of the past five years. Those rapists, of course, never spend a day in prison, factoring in unreported rapes of only about 6% of rapists ever serve time in jail. Wow. So 60% are not reported. So it means 40% are. And even with that, only, only 6%, 6% ever see jail. Right. So in 2016, Police New York Commissioner William J. Bratton had said there had been a huge spike in sexual assault cases and the victims were coming forward with years old assault. Lisa Lott Lubin, a Cosby victim in the state of Nevada, successfully petitioned lawmakers to extend the statute of limitations from four years to 20. And in Colorado, two Cosby victims successfully changed the statute of limitations from 10 years to 20. That's huge. In California, four accusers successfully eliminated the statutes of limitations altogether. Just in the Cosby case or for any rape case? Any rape case altogether. So even if they couldn't get justice by having Cosby serve time, they got justice other ways to protect other victims of these crimes. Good job, California. Wow, and yeah. Colorado. And Colorado. And Nevada. And Nevada. <laughs> it was too late for these women's, but they took measures to possibly help others in the future. Sexual assault is one of the most misunderstood crimes. It can take decades for victims to come forward for fear of backlash or being persecuted. Uh, do you think it's misunderstood? I think that that is something that we've stated throughout all the these these recent movements and um, through you know through all of the rape cases that I know about in recent history i think they talk about that a lot about how it takes women sometimes women don't come forward for a long time i don't think it's misunderstood i think no one's no one gives a shit i think no that, one wants to change it i think that people don't truly understand what sexual assault is because it's a wide spectrum of different things and people aren't grasping what it is or able to put it together that you know that they're like, okay, well, I was, for my my example, I was drunk. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, and then, so they don't understand that even though I was, I was incapacitated or I was drunk, you know, you know where I'm trying sure, to go with no, this. No, absolutely. But I, I think that, that, that alleviates people from, from using common sense, uh, their own moral character and judgment, because, you know, that's not the, you saying that is not the first time I've ever heard of somebody being assaulted for while they were drunk. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, we've heard this many, many times over that that's still not okay just because somebody's drunk and passed out or because uh, for whatever reason, like, you know, we've heard no means no, we've heard all of this stuff, but yet we're still misunderstanding what sexual assault is. I think that's, that's a kind of a scapegoat. I think also the big line too is what is consent? Because Cosby was under the impression these women were consenting even though they weren't and some people might think like what is consent you know just right. well it's definitely not when you've been unknowingly drugged with quaaludes <laughs> right right but regardless of your he, answer he might have a different definition like for him no means no but not saying anything could be not saying but anything again, but again when you're again that is that is that is not a gray area because he <laughs> got them into an incapacitated state right <laughs> and, and, it's like and, if you don't raise your hand uh we're going to shoot you but we've tied your hands behind your back so that's exactly it's a great analogy yeah I, I do think that a lot of it still is misunderstood though like people are going to think whenever these uh, accusations come out against kobe bryant or anybody mm -hmm. and like how can he rape somebody he's on top of the world and he's so famous and everyone would be lucky to be with him or right. how could she be raped? It was her husband. You know, there's, right. there's, there's a lot of uh, things where people yeah. are like, you know, all kinds of different sexual assaults Yeah, that people are like, okay, yeah, but have you seen her? She leaves it. Who leaves the house looking like that after not asking for it? Like there's still a lot of, uh, there is still a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. So let, yeah, let's look at these statistics about out of 1000 rapes, only 310 will be reported. 85% of assaults are typically by someone the victim knows. If a rape is reported, there is a 50.8 chance of an arrest. And if an arrest is made, there is an 80% chance of prosecution. 
And if there's a prosecution, then there's a 58% chance of conviction. Wow. So if a rape is reported, it's a coin flip whether they get arrested. Right. But a higher chance of prosecution if they are arrested. But even if you're, if you're, (laughs) if you're prosecuted, it's still a coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. So you get convicted. Each one of those stats is pretty good in that you are more likely to see justice for the rapist than not, right? If, 50% chance that they will arrest, so that's- If you report. That's good, yeah. And if the arrest is made, more likely to be prosecuted. And if there's a prosecution, you are more likely to have a conviction. But when you add all those different numbers, it's like half of half of half of half, right? Right, right. So, which is why even of all of the rapes that are reported to the police, six out of seven- of them are going to go free. Yeah. That's scary when you break the numbers down like that. Yeah. So in Cosby's case, icon intimidation, the inequality of power between the icon and their victim can prevent them from speaking out. It's predatory behavior. And because of the power differential, the victim blame themselves and often question themselves as to what they did wrong. They trusted this person. So therefore they are questioning themselves. The first day of trial was a media blitz. The trial was expected to last two weeks and had a jury made up of two black and 10 white jurors, which worked out to be about 17% black and above the demographic of the county itself. In Pennsylvania, cameras are not allowed in the courtroom. There would be no live streaming of the trial. Also, for sexual assault cases tried in Pennsylvania, a conviction can be made solely based on whether they find the alleged victim credible. Well, he was a fan favorite in Pennsylvania and had some ties to their educational system. So. He was. So they just had to believe Andrea, which also makes me raise the question, okay, if they can convict on just finding the her credible, why wouldn't Castor pursue? So this is similar to the OJ trial of 94, intertwining race, power, fame, and the crime. In fact, while the trial was gearing up, Cosby's team shifted focus onto race even stating the time has come to shine a spotlight on the trampling of Mr. Cosby's civil rights. Wow, make it about his civil rights. Cosby showed up with his arm wrapped around his TV daughter, Keisha Knight Pullum, who played Rudy on The Cosby Show. She would tell reporters, ultimately, it's easy to support someone and to be in their corner when things are great, but true family, friendship, integrity is how people show up and support when things aren't looking great. Keisha left at the lunch break on the first day and never showed up again. That was probably a pretty good idea. I mean, that's kind of shitty for him to exploit his TV daughter. Right. Because everyone sees him as the family uh, Exploit father. the image. She comes in. She's there for the first half. And then she books it. You, you, know, you know what, though? I mean, there is something. I, I, it's, it's probably exactly the way you just described it. As like, hey, you know me. You know I'm not guilty. Come and, you know, da 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 And then, but... There would be something to be said about her just standing in his corner, even if he's, even if she thinks that he's wrong, just being there for a friend. It's creating that Cosby image. Right. There's little Rudy and. But I mean, like say that, I mean, I'm sure she, she kind of thought of him as, as another father figure. Right. So if my brother murdered somebody like, yes, that would be wrong. Would I still go to his trial? Would I still love him? Yeah. Yeah. And he would still hope that he'd get off on a technicality or something. You know, I mean, of course, you want the the best things for your family, but, you know, I mean, I think you just stand there just in in support of the fact that, you know, you know, regardless of what you've done, I'm, I'm here with you in, in, in this time. So I don't think she should be looked down upon, but apparently that wasn't the case since she was like, Got started hearing the trial. Went, oh fuck this! I'm getting out of here. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I came in for appearance. I'm hearing everything. I'm out. Right, right. That's you know, that's a little telling. But <laughs> so, cause well, his wife didn't even show up until the sentencing. Well, his wife has got to hate him <laughs> by now because he also all the, all the cheating. Like you know, I think marriage of convenience in that case. Yeah, they they are old school. He sounds like a they, son of a bitch, yeah, this, this guy. They are school, old school. But she relentlessly defends him, too. Cosby's defense attorney, Brian McMonagall, had represented high-profile criminal defendants in the area. 
mobsters, politicians, and the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Philadelphia, who was accused of covering up multiple sexual allegations against the priests over the years. If you've been accused of sexual assault, come see me. <laughs> if that's exactly Brian, what it is. That's your specialty. McMonagle. <laughs> Not even a personal injury guy or a family. Okay. Yeah. You He's caught with your hand in the in the cookie jar. It is, in my opinion, that that is a man who probably sends pictures of his dick wearing a monocle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy's probably going to hell. He's probably, I don't know if he's a, he could be a great guy, but I'm I'm just assuming that that he's yeah, a terrible kind of, person. Yeah, he's friends with a lot of priests. <laughs> I guess all he does is have to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Ah. I mean, that is the stipper. Yeah. He was also friends with Castor, and when Castor had run for district attorney in 2015, he held a fundraiser for him and insisted Cosby was wrongfully accused and Andrea was a liar and a schemer, stating inconsistencies in her statement and stating that Andrea had called Cosby five times after the assault, though she said she had no contact with him. This was an attack on human decency, he said. How so? Because Andrea called Cosby five times after the attack, he says. So Cosby's defense pounded Andrea with questions trying to ruin her credibility. Why did she call the attorney before she called the police? Why did she call Cosby 53 times, including a call on Valentine's Day, asking her why she attended one of his performances? Prosecutors even asked why she wore a shirt that bared her midriff around Cosby. How dare she? Right? He sexually assaults her, and why are you wearing a shirt to expose your skin? Andrea was able to give reasonable answers, though. She called the attorney first because she didn't know how the criminal justice system worked. She called him because it was her job, and she went to the performance with her family because her dad wanted to go, and she hadn't told them what had happened yet. The courtroom also heard portions of the deposition where he discussed giving quaaludes to women. Cosby appeared to be enjoying the responses during the deposition, even laughing as the detective read a certain parts out loud. How maniacal, don't you think? Yes, yeah. he's a comedian. He's used to laughter. He's he's used to laughing he's at... He's using laughter as a defense mechanism. <laughs> oh, oh that's see. good. You know, and if I was his attorney, I'd be like, hey, can you cut can that you shit out? <laughs> stop, stop that. How about you just sit down you're, and shut up? You're not doing you any yeah. favors. <laughs> So the jury went on to deliberate for more than five days. They agonized, debated, voted, re-voted, and voted again. They would ask the judge questions, have trial transcripts in full read back to them. Exhaustion was setting in for not just the jurors, but for the judge. Cosby's attorneys demanded a mistrial, claiming the deliberations in the, the county were the longest ever in the county. But that just simply wasn't true. Five days? Five days. Doesn't seem unreasonably long right they're just trying to put on pressure hurry up with this finally on a saturday morning the jury still deadlock judge o'neill was forced to declare a mistrial once the trial was over media outlets filed motions to get the names of the jurors and under the first amendment rights the jurors names are public information so they started doing interviews with the media one juror said it was a 10-2 to convict and another was said it was an even split and another juror said they didn't even understand the definition of phrases like reckless and unreasonable. Questioning what is reasonable doubt and a different juror publicly said that they question why after rape was Andrea still wearing a bared midriff shirt around Cosby. <sighs> Nevertheless, Steele was adamant he was going to go to trial again. Could you imagine that? Like. Letting somebody walk because she decided to wear a shirt that bared her midriff. Well, we know it leads to a conviction, so let's go. So, and then came the Me Too movement, which dominated the headlines throughout the year. On October 5th, 2017, the New York Times and shortly after Ronan Farrow, the New Yorker revealed movie executive Harvey Weinstein had sexually harassed or assaulted nearly two dozen women over a 30 year period. A paper trail of NDAs with Weinstein in exchange for money followed him, and this movement prompted thousands of women to come forward with the hashtag MeToo. Wow, Ronan Farrow was involved in that, huh? Mm -hmm. Actually, Ronan Farrow also, he interviewed Cosby and actually 
stated regret for not interviewing him harder. And that's why he did this with Harvey Weinstein, because he had the regret of not pushing Cosby for answers. So when this opportunity came again, he didn't want to betray the women again. Well, I only learned who Ronan Farrow was recently when I watched that Woody Allen documentary. Very, very interesting character, Ronan Farrow. He's a hero to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Do we like him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Men like Matt Lauer, Louis C.K., Jeremy Pivot, Les Moonves, Scott Baio, James Franco, Danny Masterson, Kevin Spacey, more than a hundred men were called out for their problematic behavior. People were now looking at sexual assault differently. But why now? Why not when 63 other women came forward with their stories? And in 2017, Time Magazine named the women of the Me Too movement persons of the year, referring to them as silence breakers. This Time Magazine person of the year talking about the silence breakers has celebrities interviewed like Taylor Swift, Selma Blair, Ashley Judd, but none of the Cosby accusers were really celebrities, right? Like, I guess there were a couple Janice that, Dickinson was. that you claim are models. and They are models. You can Google her. I, I did. Yeah, okay. You know what's funny is I, I'd never... Both of those models I wasn't very familiar with. But... You don't know Beverly Johnson? No. Oh. No. Okay, but... The... She's beautiful. I mean, they're clearly models by my research, especially because their Wikipedia says American model. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but none of them, I guess, are famous enough to be the caliber of the people that are uh, these other accusers. Right. The, the these were the women, the catalyst. These were women before the movement, but they don't get the accolades or right. the acknowledgement or even, even mentioned in an article. It's the celebrities who these, these events happen to, which kind of opens up the, it could really happen to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or if you are working for a college. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. A couple months later, the pretrial hearing for Cosby was underway. In November, Castor filed a defamation lawsuit against Andrea and her attorneys claiming they organized a smart campaign against him when he ran for DA in 2015. He revealed Andrea got well into the millions for her settlement, and the timing of this defamation case was suspicious, coming only a few months before Cosby's retrial as it was a tactic to possibly sway potential jurors against Andrea. What a POS this guy. Yeah. He was supposed to be representing her and he dropped the ball and screwed her over. So during the pretrial hearing, prosecution asked that 19 accusers be able to testify. And of course, Cosby's attorneys objected to this and said in light of the Me Too movement, none should testify because it was a biased jury. It took three days before both sides could agree that five of the 19 would be allowed to testify and only from cases from 1982 and forward. Next, Cosby's attorney argued that Judge O'Neill should recuse himself from the trial, stating his wife was a psychotherapist at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia and worked with sexual assault survivors. Wait, she was a psychotherapist she or was she, a was psycho a she was a psychotherapist? She was a psychotherapist <laughs> that worked at the University of Pennsylvania and worked with sexual assault survivors. So somehow that made him incompetent. Uh, not mm. incompetent. It, ma but, it makes it so he's less likely to be impartial. Since right. He's kind of uh, close to the subject matter. When it came to jury selection, Steele used one of his preemptive strikes to exclude a potential juror number nine. Cosby's team said it was because of her race, but Steele denied that. He didn't want her on the jury because he knew there was an open fraud investigation on her, and she also had been prosecuted by his office before. They argued about this for three hours, and he obviously didn't want to say the reason out loud. So with his strike, he didn't need to give a reason, so he just wiped her from the jury. Four days, three jury pools, 359 people, and they finally had 12 jurors and six alternates. This time, a younger crowd from the same county as Cosby and more affluent and more educated. I feel like that might not work in the favor of justice. Hmm. This time, Cosby had seven people on his legal team. One attorney was Tom Mazarow, who handled high-profile cases like Michael Jackson's 2005 molestation case, hey. 2001 Mike Tyson rape case. Six accusers would be testifying, not too like last time, and Castor's decision to not prosecute Cosby in 2005 would, could not be mentioned but the $3.38 million settlement Andrea received could. 
That's very much uh, cherry picking which parts you want to be public. Right. What can be said and what can't be said. Steele's team used the do-over to their advantage. And instead having a sexual assault expert on the stand last, they put him first so the jury could be educated about rape and be prepared for the testimonies. This was still a relatively new practice in Pennsylvania and had only recently started following this and was the last state in the country to do so. This law was enacted after Penn State defensive coach Jerry Sandusky was convicted of sexually abusing 10 young boys in 2012. The second trial didn't attract the crowds, the protesters, accusers, or the media like the first one. The courtroom sat half empty and it lasted three weeks. During testimony, Cosby's side would mock the victims, rolling their eyes as they gave their testimony, painting them into villains trying to extort Cosby for money and fame. One witness that testified would be Janice Dickinson, and she already had the money and she had the fame, but they called her out as an aged out model to the press. And during closing arguments, Maserell laughed as the prosecution gave closing arguments. So now they're mocking the other side. See, and that seems like it would be a, um, a, a bad decision on their part as far as uh, decorum in the courtroom. Like, I think that it, if you're like rolling your eyes and mocking and like throwing your hands up, I think that's not in the usual like attorney's playbook. I think you're being a little over the top, right? Yeah, so what do they think they're going to accomplish? Right, I mean, if they just stayed very stoic and then said their jabs during their cross-examinations or, or whatever that is, would be more effective than just like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, they might not have I, been I, think that jury, I think juries would be like, fuck are those guys doing over there yeah but the eye rolls of like look at this so the judge dismissed the courtroom and the jury was left to deliberate they had a job to find out if cosby was guilty or not guilty on three separate charges of aggravated indecent assault did cosby digitally penetrate andrea without her consent while she was unconscious after drugging her without her knowledge they struggled with the actual legal definition of consent. They asked Judge O'Neill what was the definition of consent in a criminal act, to which they discovered Pennsylvania doesn't have an actual legal definition of consent. They found the victims credible, all explaining the same patterns of behavior by Cosby. The jury deliberated for 14 hours. The jury found Cosby unanimously guilty on all three charges. And as the courtroom absorbed what happened, Steele immediately asked the judge to, for bail to be revoked, claiming he was a flight risk, his wealth and a plane. And Cosby shouted at Steele, he doesn't have a plane, you asshole. And then uttered, I'm sick of that guy. Wait, Cosby doesn't have a plane or? Cosby doesn't have a plane, doesn't have a plane and is now yelling because he lost. So he's yelling at Steele, who's saying, I don't think he should be on bail. And people got to see what Cosby really is by his outburst. That's a crazy claim. None of us have planes, but we've all flown somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have a plane. Although, <laughs> they, they did take his passport, so he can't get on a commercial plane. He could charter a flight or uh, sure. take his own plane, I guess. O'Neill denied the motion to revoke bail, and Cosby was allowed to remain at his home under house arrest. The morning after the verdict, two of Cosby's attorneys went on Good Morning America and called one of the jurors a racist. A few hours later, Camille Cosby gave a statement comparing Cosby to Emmett Till and Daryl Hunt. One third of the victims of Cosby were African-American women. She also asked criminal investigations against the DA and his cohorts, stating they were exploitive and corrupt people trying to advance themselves professionally. Cosby was facing up to 30 years in state prison. In the state of Pennsylvania, sentencing must be imposed within 90 days. However, Cosby got his sentencing pushed back to late September. On September 24th, victims gathered to give a statement. Andrea sat on the stand and said, I have testified, the jury heard me, and now all I'm asking for is the justice where the jury sees fit. So in this case, she tried to bring a case against him. Had the DA prosecuted Cosby, she probably would have left good enough alone. But instead, she got a multi-million dollar settlement, and then she still got justice. She still got justice. Yes. Yeah. Well, the other 61 victims got 
Probably nothing. I think they did work to help heal them soul, their, themselves and their souls by, yeah. by this, this. It doesn't fix the problem, but she right. did make millions on this. And she, she's still testifying against him. Well, she was the only one who really could because her, her time didn't expire. Right. But what are the terms of the settlement? Usually in a settlement, this is like, this is not an admission that- of guilt. You, uh, you don't get this testified now. We're dropping this case. You understand? Right. She didn't agree to those. They tried that, but she didn't agree. But there was still a settlement. There was still a settlement. There was still a settlement. Yes. So there was a settlement, but they tried to get her to agree, but she agreed she wasn't going to pursue Mm. again. But if they came to her, she could work with them. Okay. So in fact, she had even said if Castor won the reelection against Steele, she wouldn't go after him because she didn't believe Castor would would work in her favor. Right. She wouldn't work with Castor, any of that. In order to sentence Cosby, O'Neill had to determine if Cosby was a sexual violent predator or something else. In order to be labeled as a sexually violent predator, the person has to be diagnosed with a mental abnormality or personality disorder that would make him likely to repeat the crimes. Cosby would not cooperate. So a forensic psychologist had to rely on trial transcripts and police reports to make a diagnosis and concluded that Cosby suffered from a mental disorder that gave him urges to have sex with women without their consent, and he would likely do it again. So now he's being difficult. He was sentenced to three to 10 years in a state prison, no bail. He must register as a sex offender. Cosby had served three years of the three to 10 year sentence at a maximum security prison outside of Philadelphia when the court ruled that the non-prosecution agreement with the previous prosecutor meant that Cosby should not have to face criminal charges. They're talking about that agreement he made with Castor? That Mm -hmm. wasn't signed by a judge? That shouldn't have been immunity. Yeah, no, they considered it immunity and because the documents were used in the case, that's why he was able to get free. Uh, see, I feel like if Castro says, I don't have enough ev- evidence, I'm not going to bring it to trial. That's not the same as, well, I guess I'll just give him immunity forever. Well, they did the civil trial and the depositions were used in the case and those violated his Fifth Amendment rights. Mm. Legal loophole. I don't like that one bit. We don't have to like it, but I guess it's the law. So this decision centers around the non-prosecution agreement struck with Montgomery County District Attorney Bruce Castor in 2005. The attorney gave Cosby his assurance that he would not be charged in the case. Even though there's no legal documents about this, they're still holding him to it. So in a 79-page opinion, the judge wrote that the previous prosecutor's statements that Mr. Cosby would not face charges, which paved the way for Mr. Cosby to testify in a civil trial meant he should not have been charged in the case. The prosecution used the testimony from the alleged victims and there is experience with Cosby dating back to 1980 and the prosecution used the testimonies to show Cosby's alleged patterns of drugging and sexually assaulting women. The Pennsylvania court ruling is disturbing in allowing Cosby to go free notwithstanding his sexual assault convictions but is correct in applying the crucial constitutional right, the privilege against self-incrimination found in the Fifth Amendment. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court's decision reversing Cosby's convictions reminds us that even those who commit despicable acts are still protected by the Constitution, and Cosby could likely seek damages for his three-year prison term. Still now he could do that? Mm-hmm. Because technically he was falsely imprisoned. Wow. I don't like this twist at the end of our story. Yeah, this this is a maniacal hard story to tell. I feel like it took decades for even the first woman to come forward and she was alone in that and then another one and another one and another one. The Cosby until effect. Until we had dozens of women coming forward 63 and saying women. he's done this, yeah. And in the end he does sometime and gets to go on a technicality. I mean, well, he's a, you know, again, I think there's a lot of other things like there should be no statute of limitations for for rape charges, right? Because th- this case might have gotten thrown out because of his constitutional rights, but if there were 63 other women lining up to, you know, accuse him and and, and convict him of of rape, yeah, we wouldn't be talking about this. He would he would be in in prison right now. Yeah, still I see be what, in prison. I see what you're saying. 
Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I know that uh, for murder, there's no statute of limitations. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, where do we draw the line on, you know, like we, we all did a bunch of stuff when we were younger. Not rape, but, you know. Well, I think... Like, I mean, you don't think rape is? I mean, I'm not. I'm not calling you out. I think I'm speaking speaking in the general you. Do you think people don't think that that rape is as serious as murder? I mean, no one loses their life necessarily. Right. I mean, it's um, traumatizing. It's a lot of damage to someone for years. But it can damage them for the rest of their life. But for most things, for burglary, armed robbery, you know. Uh, I don't think those things affect you as, as deeply as rape can. No, but if somebody found a video of me robbing a bank 10 years ago, they can't prosecute me because... I, again, I think that's a less severe crime. But a statute like... So, so for example, like, you know, you're seeing a lot of uh, those class action lawsuits about Boy Scout leaders or, or priests, you know, call this number if you're ever abused, da 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 like, I mean, we're talking about things that happened 30, yeah. 40 years ago. Um, probably just as traumatic to those people. Yeah. Okay. So you think I was never allowed to be in Boy Scouts. Really? <laughs> okay. so, so you think that rape and murder should be in the same category, that there's no statute of limitations if you come forward even 40 years later? That's just my, my opinion, though. I yeah. mean, I get it. No, I mean, or I maybe it should that. be, maybe it should be a longer statute of limitations, you know, but like in the, again, like when you're a child too, um, and then you're conditioned throughout those years and then maybe 30 years down the line, you, you have some sort of a revelation about what happened to you or you figure it out through therapy and you have no, uh, way to bring this person to justice even if they're still in your life like that's you're not right. that's yeah. not cool if something happens when you're seven years old you don't know anything about pressing charges right hiring a lawyer contacting right. the, the police or even department. know who to go to to advocate for you because a lot of times seven-year-olds will go with somebody for help but they don't necessarily get the help that right. the perpetrator gets protection and by the time they become legal adults they're um the statute of limitations. Is I up, think so they. I think I minors have a statute of limitation to at least be able to eighteen. I know because when I was when I was pregnant with my son, I had gotten in a, in a car accident. Somebody hit me, and the attorney had said, "Your son can sue up until his eighteenth birthday, even though he wasn't born yet." Sue you or sue the other driver? Sue the other driver. Sue the insurance company. Interesting. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fair and square dealing too. I think we should shorten the, the statute of limitations on other things like shoplifting. If you can't catch me in a day. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's some things that's like, you don't want people to come after you, you know, five, 10 years later. Right. Like, Hey, I got away with it 10 years ago. Like I robbed that bank and you motherfuckers haven't caught me yet. So I should be able to be, I should be able to spend the money however I want. Yeah. <laughs> Flaunt around like, Hey. So thanks for listening. As you know, for every episode, we like to suggest a charity. RAIN, Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. RAIN, in partnership with more than 1,000 local sexual assault service providers across the country, and operates the DOD Safe Helpline for the Department of Defense, RAIN also carries out programs to prevent sexual violence, help survivors, and ensure that perpetrators are brought to justice. So by all means, yeah. send something to that charity. Yeah, RAIN is, uh, you can find them at uh, RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Uh, our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you like it, please share us with your friends and leave us a five-star review. That helps us out a lot. Um, instead of sending books from our wish list, we're su asking you to send us charity suggestions. So please go ahead and dem DM us on our Instagram at Madam's Hose, H E A U X S and Gigolos, and give us a charity suggestion. And I'd also like to reach out and thank my friend Chris for helping me navigate this topic. It was a tough one. And I definitely appreciate the help, and I appreciate that everybody listening. Well, yeah, thank you for your help, Chris. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Chris. Check you later.